This episode of The Incomparable is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use offer code GEEKS. The Incomparable, number 178, January 2014. Welcome back, everybody, to the Incomparable Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and this is part two of our console video game draft. In part one, episode 177, we did the first round of our console video game draft and got two picks into the second round. We're going to go four rounds deep, so there's a lot more left to listen to. And so let's join our draft in progress. My guests are Greg Noss, John Syracusa, Moises Chuyan, Steve Lutz, and Tony Sindelar. And I believe it's Moises's turn. I see, now now I'm kind of in position behind the, the reverent picks, uh, being a goofball and choosing the equivalent of Miami connection to an extent. Yeah, we've never seen the like of that. Yeah, you're, you're in there with Monty <laughs> or, or Steve. What? Is there a game where you can play as Skeletor? Because I want to draft There had that. to be a He-Man game at some Must point. Have been, it probably yeah. came with a Burger King meal. I want a game where I play as Skeletor. I'm not interested in a He-Man game. Thank you, sir. My my follow up to what I think was the first video game where you could shank someone, bad dudes, <laughs> is another beat 'em up, another side scroller, featuring an unmistakable group of mutated, green skinned, roided out uh, martial artists. And of course, I'm talking about Battle Toads. Oh, nice! Take me out there. It worked. Uh, one of the hardest games ever by anybody's uh, estimation who's actually played the game. This was obviously pitched as a uh, a concept ripoff of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. We had three toads named Zitz, Pimple, and Rash. Uh, real classy names uh, to, to mimic the classic artists used for the Ninja Turtles. Uh, they had this, you know, big bad that they had to fight and they had to punch a lot of stuff along the way. And there were levels where you were in like a little hover car kind of a thing. Um, this, the Battletoads series, as it were, had an unfortunately short life as super popular as the, the first game was. Uh, I don't know if it was because of the difficulty that, uh, that interest kind of waned on it. I don't know what the real story is, but of course, Battletoads was developed by Rare, who at one time was uh, completely under the purview of Nintendo, and then that drifted elsewhere. Um, but the, there was at one point a rumored uh, remake sequel sort of a thing for the Game Boy Advance. Uh, then there was talk of it coming to Xbox, and it's just kind of floating out there. Um and it's difficult to impress upon people just how hard compared to other NES games this one was where people are used to I'll, – I'll take an example from Super Mario 3D World's book. Um, you die five times consecutively in a world and you get a magic leaf that makes you invincible and gives you a tanuki tail. And there are certain achievements that you can't get if you finish a level that way. But it still makes you invincible for the rest of the level and holds your hand and makes it easy for you. And Battletoads – never ever held your hand and there would be you could spend not just days but weeks on some parts of this game just not being able to get past it uh or charging up your parents credit card on the on the the uh, nintendo tip line not that i ever did that uh i just got insanely frustrated with it and wanted to throw the controller across the room and it, it was Sounds fun Oh, it, it's it, the 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 reward that came out of be, of finally solving those uh, you know those those tough to get through parts or uh, the the singular amount of drive that you would get pressuring your friends to come on no seriously come over on Saturday I cannot beat World Five it's just impossible I need another person or it, I'm I'm never going to beat this game and it's going to drive me crazy it, it, that that kind of sensation there are those games that are so hard that that, uh, that you want to give up on them and that was definitely Battletoads for a lot of people but for me it was something that really took this skinned and reskinned and reskinned beat 'em up action genre and added a like a, a quantum level of difficulty to it and really played with the conventions of it to to the extent that it uh if you if you manage to just get halfway through the game not even beat it 
uh, you would feel a great deal of satisfaction just getting a ways into it uh, because of how difficult the thing was. I, I have vivid memories of how hard it was. It really took kind of Nintendo hard and ratcheted up several several notches. I just remember dying over and over again on the levels where your your little hover scooter thing and they're like wrecking balls that hit you and it was yeah it was intense. Now did they ever import it or export it to Japan and did they have to change the difficulty level? No, it was just right for Japan. Yeah, in Japan when you when you pick up the cartridge, it just it just injects spikes into your hand. You know? <laughs> Blows your fingers off. That's right. Well, strangely enough, they crossed it over with Double Dragon. They took the totally disparate worlds. (laughs) This is is absolutely real. They took the totally disparate worlds of Battletoads and Double Dragon and merged them and had the three Battletoads and uh, and, uh, Billy and Jimmy, the the Lee brothers of Double Dragon, uh, uniting to fight the forces of, uh, of the Dark Queen and Shadow Boss. Uh, the Dark Queen, uh, basically the super sultry, sexed up uh, alternative to Shredder, but uh, otherwise the same kind of looming dark presence. But uh, can you sex up Shredder? I, I think everybody should sex I up Shredder. Too much. Turns out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, yeah, I I really I really wish that uh, that the Battletoads had had, had uh, more of a life. There was a Super Battletoads game for the SNES. Uh, and and that was a lot of fun too. And and there was an NES version and an SNES version of Battletoads and Double Dragon. Uh, and uh, you know I I don't know how rare or difficult the cartridges are to find. I know that everybody I know uh, finds things in a place other than the physical realm at this point when it comes wow. to games like this. Well, Moises, you you've you've done it again. But it's any these NES games because again I have I have no NES history at all. I have never even heard of this game. So. Thank you. Thanks for bringing it's it up. Classic. Yeah. NES. That is a terrific, classic, well-loved game. I don't know how you could think that was a jokey pick. And I thought Tanuki was your theme, but actually Mario Brothers had the Tanuki and that was Tony. I know the Battletoads cartridge was really rare, and there was apparently some kind of thing on the internet for a while where people were calling the pawn shop that's from that reality television show and asking them if they had Battletoads <laughs> like every hour for days just to... I don't really know. And they would transcribe their conversations and put them on the internet. And it turns out that is a quick way to drive someone mad is by asking them for (laughs) Battletoads every hour for like four days in a row. Or transcribing conversations asking for Battletoads would also drive you mad. Yeah, it's the road to madness is that way. We are uh, we are so slow here at the third round. It's going to have to be a lightning round. Greg Noss, though, we're midway through the second round now, and it's been a million (laughs) years already. Greg Noss, it's your turn. What do you got? I am going back to the 2600. Of course. My second love, after that bastard Lutz took my first. <laughs> um, Eat it, Nos. Yars Revenge. Uh, yes. No? Yes, yes. Yeah. Yes, terrific yes, game. Yes, yes, yes. On one side of the screen behind a barrier is some sort of large gun. You play a small insect. I like it because it is representative of me in the real world. And you gnaw away at the barrier while the gun shoots at you. You move out of the way, and finally, once you have a path through, you can fire your cannon at the gun and blow it up. And then you start all over again, and it goes faster and faster and faster and faster. And I played this game endlessly to the point where, and I'm not proud of this, I actually wrote a sequel for the Atari 8-bit computer where there were uh, bad guys on both ends, and you had to get them to shoot each other. Wow. I I wrote video game fanfic. (laughs) Well, in in video game form. It all comes out. It was a it was a great great fun single player game. You could crank through a dozen games without spending too much time on it, and it was really nerve wracking. There was this was, I mean, you talk about the atmospheric sound in in things like um, Shadow of the Colossus. This had a pulse that would like Space Invaders, but more mechanical, and it would grow and grow and grow as as the jeopardy of the game went on until finally you either died or the enemy was destroyed and the screen blew up in a huge explosion. It was a terrific game. And I can actually play it in your browser right now. If you Google it, you can play it in your browser. They have a version online that, that runs in the browser because your computer has several million times the processing power of <laughs> a 2600, and they have JavaScript emulators. Yeah, Yars Revenge was one of the one of the rare Atari 2600 games that was really unique. I mean, it wasn't it wasn't a port. It wasn't uh, you know a, a, a clone of some other game that had been done 15 other times. It was completely original, and it was really great. And there was and, and the, the genius of having the neutral zone in the middle where you couldn't shoot. You could brilliant. hide. Well, you couldn't be killed either. Yeah, but you couldn't but you also couldn't shoot, so it was a interesting little twist. Um, you could you could park there and go get a, a juice pack and come back and uh-huh. enjoy it 
leisurely and then continue the game. Made by the same guy who made uh, the E.T. E. and uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Well, yeah. This is what he can do when he has enough time. <laughs> well, the, the Yours Revenge, my memory of that is that it, it was, it, like Steve said, it was so different from a lot of the 2600 games that it, it was, um, I, I, I'm always struck that it, it was an Atari official. And not one of these like Activision games because Activision did lots of things to kind of like subvert the mm -hmm. what, what you usually saw on 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 a, a regular Atari game. And uh, but Yours Revenge was so different; it was it was it it felt very different, even though it was an official Atari uh, cartridge. Yeah, it also came with that really cool little comic book to set the scene for uh, what you yes. were about to experience. It was nice. The rebug. Um, Things like Adventure and, and Yard's Revenge, the effort that went into them, and Atari didn't credit any of the authors, and that's one of the things that caused Warren Robinette to put the Easter egg into Adventure, and then eventually Activision to break off, as they didn't think they were getting the credit or the compensation that they were due as the creators of these really, really popular works. Steve Kitchen and the other Activision guys took their ball and yeah. went home. Yeah, really. Now, I believe this developer actually did put his initials in E.T. as an Easter egg, which might have been not a very good decision. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that he spent his time on that. The Yar actually <laughs> shows up at one point, too. If, uh, I think you can turn one of the flowers in one of the many millions of pits that you fall into at any moment into a Yar, and it flies out of the pit. Nice. Something that you couldn't actually do, but the Yar could. In my version, I took the animation of the Yar and copied it pixel for pixel onto the 8-bit, but it had twice the resolution, so I could make him smoother. Ooh. Mm -hmm. Nice. Smoother yarns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. When someone okay. says Yars Revenge, I think, is that an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation I missed? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I thought that was what it was first. And it's the better acted. answer is no. No. John Syracuse, it's your turn. Well, I just can't believe this has gone on this long and no one has picked the obvious pick. I didn't even pick it as the first pick. I figured I would let someone else do it. But uh, uh, my second pick uh, has to be Journey. Has to be. We what, left what it for you. We... Come on, we left it for what you. What more yeah, can we I say about not, Journey? I was, really? eh. I've never heard of I it. I didn't want you to be angry. Yeah, you can say mad about it. I mean, we did a whole episode <laughs> on it. It's episode 108 of The Incomparable for people who want to listen way more about this. Uh, I called Ocarina of Time the best video game of all time, but Journey has the best quality to length ratio of all time. <laughs> uh, more innuendo for Steve there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Just throwing kindling on the fire. Journey is is a very is a simple game if you look at it, but I think the game is extremely broad, and it's more about concepts and feelings than it is about a little triangular dude walking through desert. Uh, and I think it's abstract enough. Like it's it's not abstract like a little square and adventure, but in some ways it is because it's so disconnected from anything we really experienced that you're able to engage with it uh, emotionally in ways that the individual players make concrete for themselves. You know what I mean? Uh, and this probably sounds ridiculous to non-gamers, and maybe it sounds ridiculous ridiculous to some gamers who might be jaded or have lost the sense of childlike wonder. I don't know who you could be referring to. Playing Journey was one of the most meaningful gaming experiences of my life, uh, and it's it's I think it's part of the kind of persistent prejudice against games that if someone makes a similar statement about a great book, uh, it'll be met with admiration. I mean, you say it about games, people think you're a loser, but I stand by it, um, and I think that needs to change the idea that oh, this book really meant something to me, and it's my favorite book. John, let's be clear. Books aren't cool either. Well, no, but people say like, oh, this book is really meaningful to me or whatever. And people are like, oh, well, you must be a deep person. You said that about a video game. They think, oh, well, you don't, you know, you don't have a Loser. You eat a lot of Cheetos. Right, exactly. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that that whole concept needs to change. And I think Journey is a a nice, maybe not the first, but yet another step in that direction towards the destination of respect for games. For what it's worth, the tiny sliver of my childlike wonder that's left agrees 100% with you on this one. There you go. I enjoyed I enjoyed that game a lot. I borrowed someone's PlayStation Three to play that game because John Syracuse had told me mm -hmm. to. I was listening to the uh, the soundtrack just today, in fact, and uh, it always takes me back. And I I've played that game. I don't I I don't finish games, let alone play them multiple times. And I've done that with Journey. So quality to length ratio, Jason. Yep, I that's a good one. All right, I am gonna pick, and I'm gonna go. You know. I don't love racing games. I don't entirely understand. It's almost like a theme here, and it's not intentional. The super realistic racing games, like on my iPad, you can you can play racing games that are like crazy simulations of cars and 
and and racetracks and all of that. And you know what? Maybe it's because I I was brought up on um, Night Driver on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, <laughs> which is why are they driving at night? Because there's not enough graphics for the daytime. We can't do that. So black is cheaper to render. <laughs> it's black, and then there's a tree. Um, there's a sign, and the dotted lines, and that's all. So uh, realism not that important. I sometimes wonder. I'm not. I'm not sure. I may not have played any other console video game for as many hours as I've played Mario Kart Wii. So I'm going to pick Mario Kart Wii. It's not realistic in any way, and I don't care. I love the variety of the levels. I love the gameplay with the different power-ups. I love that I can play it um, with multiple people in the house. Um, I I can play uh, with with the computer opponents. Uh, I... I, um, you know, you earn the different vehicles. You, you know, I like, I'm doing like the manual uh, with the braking and the, on the bullet bike is sort of my favorite. And I'm really good at that. And I like that there are some levels that I find incredibly easy and I can win almost every time and other levels that I will like literally just die every 20 seconds. And I am completely confused by after all this time, um, rainbow road, I'm looking at you. And uh, there are actually a couple thing parts of uh, of Wreck It Ralph that are seem to be direct quotes of levels in in uh, Mario Kart, which kind of blew me away. Um, but I, I just I, it's replayable. I can play it with my kids, um, and it's a huge amount of fun. And I think the, a lot of the fun about it is that it's not um, it's not realistic in any way. It's just fun, and so I you know I pick Mario Kart Wii. That's that's it. it. Just fun. Given your limited history of video games, Jason, I think you can be forgiven for choosing the wrong Mario Kart game. What is the right Mario Kart? I would Mario Kart Double Dash is the right Mario Double Kart. Double Dash me, is the correct but I choice. think it's it's yeah. I well, that's wow, very prescriptive. I think, you know, we just have to find our own way to the Rainbow Road. There's always going to be the SNES defenders, but I'm um, I got to go with Double Dash. I would put the Mario Kart DS uh entry ahead of all of those. I played a lot of that too. I I think Double Dash would be the the, the classic though. Well, I I have no experience with those. I've only played the Wii version, and the Wii version is delightful. So I picked the, the Wii, Wii version. Version is extremely delightful. I will agree with you on that. Jason, your feelings are wrong, and you're wrong. In the Wii version, it has many of the best courses from Double Dash. Does that have all the courses from Double Dash? It might have all of them. Uh, it's just that like they you know does there's more waggling, and they changed the skidding dynamic, and they made the rubber banding more brutal. And yeah, Double Dash is the better. And Double Dash it gives you uh, two player. Two players in one cart. Oh, the freaking blue shell in Mario Kart Wii is dreadful. Well, it's in all the games. Yeah, yeah but in in that one, it's particular. It seems like it's particularly it's extra spiky. Mario Kart Wii. Extra blue, extra shelly. I got nothing. That's that's my uh, that's that's my pick. Good pick. Good pick. Time for a brief break for a sponsor. It's a brand new sponsor to the Incomparable. It is New Relic. New Relic is a real-time application monitoring system that gives you the best insight to monitor and improve the performance of your applications. It's the only dashboard you need to keep an eye on application health and availability. Real user monitoring, server utilization, code-level diagnostics, and more. Get direct visibility into your Ruby, PHP, Java, .NET, Python, and Node.js apps. New Relic is a better way to monitor and boost performance for your entire web app environment. Complete visibility anytime you want it. With over 75,000 actively connected accounts and more than 202 billion metrics captured daily across 2 million applications, it's not hard to see why New Relic is the best out there. So head on over to newrelic.com to learn more and sign up for a free account. No credit card required, I love that. No commitment. And let New Relic help you make more reliable web and mobile applications. And thank you so much to New Relic for sponsoring The Incomparable. Third round, lightning round. Steve, let's kick us off. Tell us. Uh, <sighs> lightning round. Us. Okay, I'll speed through this one. Uh, this is a game by the greatest second-party studio of all time, and that is Nintendo 64-era Rareware. Uh, it's Conker's Bad Fur Day. Uh, <laughs> this is a game that was announced as Conker's Quest at E3. It was a, a platformer featuring the cutesy red squirrel Conker, who was a playable character on Diddy Kong Racing was clearly aimed at kids and then the early screenshots kind of showed this cutesy cartoony art style that looked like it came from a tv show aimed at preschoolers 
And then somewhere during the four years it was in development, apparently the dev team went insane. <laughs> and, they, and they said to each other, say, what if instead of Conquer being a cheerful, happy-go-lucky, kid-friendly sap, we make him a drunken bastard, and then we fill the rest of the game with swearing and poop jokes? Well, they did. <laughs> and the result is magnificent. It's like they made a game just for me. <laughs> It is delightfully filthy. It starts off with Conker stumbling into a pub called the Cock and Plucker, and then it goes steadily downhill from there. <laughs> that is that is you in video game form. So there's an extended sequence where Conker drinks beer from kegs in order to load himself with ammo so that he can pee on a group of flaming imps. I was gonna I was gonna mention that was the one part of that game I remember. Don't you get to pee on people who are on fire? Is that the main oh, mechanic? Like? You you have to admit though, you you must remember the pee physics being a truly wondrous thing. The, the the implementation of the, the stream and your aiming, it's it's kind of... I was hoping you were going to go Goldeneye something, but no. Yeah, well, you know, in a way, you. I did. <laughs> yeah, in a way, you did. You're right. This is the innuendo show this week. And then there's the great Mighty Pooh, the best boss in the history of video games. <laughs> He's a gigantic opera-singing turd with sweet corn for teeth who attacks by hurling <laughs> chunks of himself at you. Meanwhile, the art style and the music are still just this, it's still this completely over-the-top cute stuff, which just makes the film all the more hilarious. But it's not entirely scat humor. The game's also filled with a lot of clever parodies of movies and uh, gaming conventions. If it was entirely filth, I probably wouldn't nominate it, but it also is an incredibly fun game to play. Um, there's this great variety in the gameplay. I mean, one minute you're in first-person shooter mode, blasting dung beetles to bits with a slingshot. The next, you're playing a, a twisted version of Donkey Kong where you dodge rolling balls of poo instead of barrels. Um, it has challenging bits, but it's never horribly frustrating. Um, it controls like a dream, even on the crappy N64 analog stick. has some of the best, con considering it came at the end of the Nintendo 64's life cycle, it's not surprising, but it has some of the best graphics, I think, that were ever produced on the Nintendo 64. A wonderful dynamic soundtrack including a great tune in Dung Beetle Land where the majestic fart is used as an instrument to great effect. Uh, start to finish, I think this is probably the most fun I have ever had playing a console game. And as such, I select Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. Thank you. Wow. Forgetting that, everybody. Ocarina of Time, meh. Conqueror's Bad Fur Day. Two thumbs up. Oh, Conqueror's Bad Fur Day is great. You know, the problem with Ocarina of Time is they had a guy on that group who was like, whoa, 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 too many poop jokes. <laughs> Conquers for Bad Fur Day, that guy did not have a job. No yeah, that probably would have helped. But as I pointed out, Conquer is all about variety. You're never doing the same thing twice. And Ocarina is the same thing over and over again. Except for the poop jokes. But they're different poop jokes. They're different. Well, yeah, you can go a long ways with a poop joke. I've lasted 41 years. Yeah. There you go. All right. Lightning round. We're moving on. Tony. All right. I'll actually be a lightning round. Uh, I am going to also go for the N64. I will draft Goldeneye from 1997. Uh, this could have been a crappy movie tie-in game. Because um, tied into a crappy movie. Tied into a crappy movie. Uh, in fact, it arrived two years late. It was came out in 1997. The movie, GoldenEye the movie was 1995. So it was very late for their movie tie-in. Uh, but it managed to be kind of an amazing game that kind of brought the first-person shooter experience that, you know, lots of PC gamers had had to the console. Um, and, you know, it has a so-so single-player campaign that I've played through a bunch of times, but probably the, the key feature of it was the four-player split-screen um, multiplayer um, with a bunch of different maps and different game modes. And, you know, a lot of this was, you know, some stuff we'd already kind of seen for people who were playing Doom and things like that, but some of this was completely new, and, and um, the really popular mode was uh, the ability to plant uh, they had proximity mines and uh, remotely controlled mines, which were kind of a new twist on the, you know, just running around hallways shooting at people. Um and, you know, it has pretty simple graphics for the time. The characters' heads kind of look like squares with kind of a picture of Pierce Brosnan superimposed on the square. Um, but at the time, I think it was really exciting. And I, I played countless, countless hours of the, the multiplayer experience of Goldeneye. All right. That's me. People love Goldeneye. That's better game than the movie. And you don't get to say that very often. Moises, it's your turn. Well, rounding out my theme of adjective noun titled games that involve... Uh, pairs of dudes going on uh, on a, a side-scrolling quest of some sort. Not a beat-em-up. A licensed game, which I still own a cartridge of. The Nintendo Entertainment System's McKids. 
McDonald's. Okay, there's a jokey pick. McDonald's. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> McDonald's had Virgin Games develop this this side-scrolling game where these two kids, Mick and Mac, uh, I, I think calling the white kid Mick is a little ping pong, if you ask me. Uh, I think I think we should really re-examine the, the racism of early 90s NES games. Um who were sent by Ronald McDonald because the creepy clown couldn't do this himself to collect. Uh, I, I, I want to say they were they were like uh, like puzzle pieces or something. Uh, the side scrolling element of it that made it unique at this point was that there was this little thing that if you held down the B button and ran to the end of a platform, it would flip the kid upside down, so it would reverse gravity. Um, and it is a surprisingly good platformer for something that is a crassly fast food branded game released for at the time, the behemoth of home consoles Um, and reviews were, you know, people were like, this is garbage sellout crap. And there were others that praised the platformer elements of it. I rented it um, when, when I was a kid and was surprised that it wasn't awful. And, kept it longer than than you know the regular two or three days or whatever they gave you at the grocery store you know where you used to be able to rent video games um and then you found yourself inexplicably craving mcrib well the crazy thing was i lived in a suburb of dallas where they were test marketing the mcstuffins does anybody know what the mcstuffins is Uh, it's on uh disney junior right now right (laughs) take a baguette hollow it out and put meat and cheese and grease into it so they would have like a pepperoni pizza McStuffins. And so when when I found myself going, wow, McDonald's, I see it in a whole new light. Let's go to McDonald's, mom. There's this weird thing that is crazier than the McRib on the menu. And I was like, let's go to Burger King, mom. This place creeps me out. But the game, it really is surprisingly good. And it wouldn't seem that way from the way that it's described. Um and and believe it or not, it was reiterated into uh, I want to say a master master system game uh, called Global Gladiators or something or another, with the same two leads, but completely unrecognizable compared to the NES game. McKids, y'all. Uh, <laughs> it is better than Spot the Cool Adventure. It is better than uh, uh, Chase the Chuck Wagon. Fido Dido. Fight. It's better than Fido Dido. Is that game where you play as the Noid? Yo Noid? You mean Yo Noid? Yeah, it's better than Yo Noid. Uh, and of co- it was released in Europe for our European incomparable listeners as McDonald Land, which McDonald's is probably Land. what they just should have called it. I'm still trying to get over McStuffins, actually. <laughs> <laughs> so is everybody who ate them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Sounds delicious to me. Greg Noss, your turn. I am going to jump all the way forward in time to the PS2. Whoa! Whiplash! Yeah, I know. Uh, I, I bought it from a friend who was dumping it because he was moving for $10, and it included all of his games, including Shadow of the Colossus, and all of the saved games on his memory cartridges, which is how my kids stumbled across a save game for Lego Star Wars named Jake Bigcock. <laughs> wow. They got to yeah. learn that stuff somewhere. <laughs> and I'm going to choose Burnout 3 Revenge. And the reason I'm choosing it is because it was just a hell of a lot of fun. My kids, four or five years ago, my wife and I would sit around the TV taking four or five minute long turns, just smashing the hell out of cars. And in when you crashed in that game, it would go into a slow motion um, of your car being destroyed or your opponent's car being destroyed. And it was just tons of fun. It, we, we spent... Nights and nights and nights playing this game together as a family. Screw you, haters. Destruction. It brings the whole family together. <laughs> oh, that's... You know, we played on the PS1. What's the game where all you do is smash other cars and there's a killer clown who tries to kill you? Twisted Metal. Twisted Metal. Oh, my God. I cannot tell you how much time I spent playing that game. And it's just, you know, it's just ridiculous destruction. But fun. Destruction is good. Video game destruction. Let's pause for one of our sponsors. It's Squarespace. They are no stranger to podcast sponsorship, but this is the first Squarespace sponsorship of the incomparable. If you don't know, Squarespace is the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website or online portfolio. And for a free trial and 10% off, you can go to squarespace.com and use the offer code GEEKS. Now, 
you may be familiar with the Squarespace name, but you really know what Squarespace is all about. This is a company that has won numerous design awards. So what you're going to get when you build a website with these highly customizable templates on Squarespace, they're beautiful. They're very attractive, but they're still customizable, so you can change them and shape them to be exactly what you want. Or if you don't want to design your own website and you want to take it right out of the box, you know they're going to be beautiful. And they're constantly improving their platform. There's a great behind-the-scenes publishing platform that they use. They're always adding new features, new designs, and better support. It's very easy to use, but it's also got a great support team that works 24-7 to take care of you. There are more than 70 people who work at Squarespace on the customer care team. And even the customer support team has won awards. It's not just design awards that Squarespace has won. It's actually support awards too so you know you're going to get good support and here's the deal it starts at just eight dollars a month and that includes a free domain name if you sign up for a year so a really good deal beautiful templates lots of people are using this a lot of my friends are using squarespace to build their sites there's a free trial you can get started no credit card required it is a legitimate free trial they're not going to charge your card if you forget and try to make some money off of you that way you can start without putting in any credit card numbers so the next time you're going to build a website think squarespace everything you need to create an exceptional website and thank you to squarespace for supporting the incomparable john what do you have i continue to be disappointed that no one is stealing these things from me at least someone stole shadow of the colossus but anyway yes number three it has to be and i can't believe it's a testament to the quality of recent games this is pushed down to number three uh super mario 64 the most important game with the capital i on my list or any of your lists for that matter uh the yeah (laughs) <laughs> the, the biggest te- the biggest technological change in the history of video games, uh, uncontestably, was the change from 2D to 3D, and Mario 64 was the first great 3D game. Uh, it it showed all the game. other games. Yeah, well, what's the console? This is the console game draft. That's right. uh, yes, there's these computers. You should check them oh, out. The we pretend that there are no computer games yeah. in this draft. And, although, actually, even if you want to include like first-person shooters and stuff, I think Mario 64 fulfilled the promise of 3D in a way that first-person shooters didn't because. It, like instead of like looking through a porthole you finally got to see like the whole world so to give an example one of the things that you could experience in mario 64 that was much more difficult to express in a first person shooter type scenario was the joy of flight or the fun of like you know because if you try to do flight in a first person game it suddenly you're now you're in a flight simulator and it's not the same thing as being able to see the world around you and flying and like the, the way they managed to pull that off in, in mario 64 it felt more like your dreams of flying than it felt like I'm playing Microsoft Flight Simulator with a gun sticking out of my abdomen or something. Uh, and platforming, the same thing. Like, what's fun about jumping? Like, all the 2D games, you know, it's fun to run sideways and scroll and jump, jump. This was a game that, like, in 3D, it's like, you can't do jumping in 3D because how will people even tell what the hell they're landing on? And it will make no sense. And all that joy of, of Super Mario Brothers and, and Super Mario World and uh, all these other games, it'll be gone because people will just be trying to land on things and not being able to control. And they pulled it off. They figured out jumping in 3d is fun doing backflips onto platforms you know the third dimension all that stuff can actually work and up until that point it wasn't clear that that was the case it's like okay well you can do first person shooters and flight simulators but you're not going to make a little guy run around and jump on platforms that's going to be so frustrating uh but they pulled it off and that's the template for the entire rest of of the console 3d third person video game genre from that point on isn't that part of the problem with the third person 3d video game console genre that wasn't a problem when Mario 64 came out. It did it right. Uh, many other games followed it in its footsteps and tried to do it. It took a long time for any game to even do the basics as well as Mario did. Remember, the saying back then was, uh, the Mario 64 camera sucks, but it's still the best camera in, you know, like in the industry. Everyone complains about it, but it's better than all the other cameras. And that was true for a long time. I was as amazed by Super Mario 64 when it came out as, as anybody else, and I thought it was a fantastic game. And uh loved it at the time and i just tried to play it recently and it's it's frankly unplayable now at least at least with the n64 stick i still think it's great i mean that what sh- what shows on it is that it you know the things that we've we've polished up at our camera control and mario itself did camera control better in each subsequent mario game to the point where now in galaxy the camera is practically invisible and you never have to right. worry about it and it's practically perfect but like it takes a long time to build up to that so with the except, but with the exception of the camera, like the level design and the way you get to do all these fun things, 
in in this game they figured out a way to make a mario game in 3d that was fun not making it like oh we just take the 2d game and flip it into 3d because that wouldn't work uh and you know all, all the different uh things that you could do they tried the sliding levels the snow levels where it's slippery and of course the typical lava worlds and the level uh, the lava world all that stuff that they, they i think they did an amazing job of converting a game to 3d without simply taking it the 2d one and extruding it which would not have worked at all I think I'm just getting old, but I can't deal with that camera anymore. <laughs> Makes a neat noise when you reposition it. <laughs> I started playing again like a couple of weeks ago, and I've come so close to destroying my my one and only <laughs> N64 controller so many times in that two weeks. Largely because of uh, Lethal Lava Land. Oh, my God. I have a lot of games in my house, but the one game my six-year-old daughter asks to play is she wants to play. She doesn't know the name of it, but she wants to play Mario 64. Over all the other, you know, I have 2D Marios, 3D on the Wii, on the GameCube, you know, PlayStation games, the whole nine yards, things with like Hello Kitty in them. It's Mario 64 that she wants to play, mostly because she just likes to run around outside the castle and climb the trees and see the butterflies and stuff like that. And the the graphics are totally not impressive. I, I have to think that even at six, she can tell this does not look like the other amazing hd games that we have but it's fun it's just fun i love the game so much i actually tried the ds remake oh god yeah i had the ds remake of it too it it, something is lost i mean it's also i think that's like not a not come on man yoshi yeah it's also not a great game to play on a tiny on top of the castle 120 stars oh and the one (laughs) i think the one gaming moment from this thing i don't know if i brought up on the show before but if i have you'll get to hear it again is since since people were so amazed by the 3d-ness of mario 64 this amazing moment, there's very few of them in a kind of a predictable game like a Mario, like you're going to go through this level, you're going to stomp on people, you're going to get stars or whatever. But one of the amazing moments is that as you've explored the castle and, and gotten a, a bunch of stars, at a certain point, if you're lucky, and I was, you will naturally find yourself looking around the castle kind of in awe. And once you realize how to use the camera control to look around and you're like, what is like, what else is in this room? Because I've gone through that door, I've gone through that door, I've done those things. What else is around here? And you look around and you look up at the top of the, of the in the foyer of the castle the top of the ceiling is a little uh, medallion on the ceiling with like a starburst on it. And when you look into the starburst, like light comes out of it and it fades out and you enter the flying level. Just, you know, organically by you looking around because it's fun to look around in a 3D world. That probably doesn't work with modern gamers because who the heck is going to look around like that? Because they're not in awe of the amazing graphics that are showing there. But on the N64, I was in awe of the amazing graphics and I was looking around because it's fun to look around. And <laughs> the reward for doing that was you get to fly. I have fond memories of that game also because it was at a time, you know, pre-Wikipedia where you could look up the definitive answers to things. There were lots of urban legends around games of that time. And I remember one of the big ones in that was that there, through some elaborate series of events, you could you could be Luigi. Yeah. And there would be like slightly doctored screenshots of it. And the pre-Photoshop like days. Would be, you know, that would be like printed in magazines and things like that. And it's like clearly, clearly you cannot be Luigi. You know, I realize having not grown up with like I said earlier, having not grown up with Nintendo stuff, yeah. So I, I, I missed, yeah, I missed this whole, I missed this whole uh, genre. But my kids, my kids' first video game console was the Wii, and so they know all of the Mario and all the Nintendo characters. And uh, uh, I, I'm fascinated by that because, and this is one of the things Nintendo does that that's great is that they have this. Um, it's like a band of repertory players, right? They're willing to be in a side scroller. They're willing to play tennis. They're willing to ride and drive carts. They'll play soccer if you want. They are they are ready. They'll play play baseball. <laughs> Mario Mario Super Sluggers, man. We they are you know it's amazing. And so they and and uh, yeah, it's uh, yeah. My kids know all of those characters. So well done, Nintendo. I guess for for brainwashing my children. Good job. <laughs> All right, I'm going to go, and um, I have a couple Atari 2600 uh, things on my list, and I'm not going to pick them. Greg Noss was a very nice fellow and sent me in the mail uh, a couple of years ago an original Superman cartridge for Atari, and I could play that. I, that That is maybe the game I mastered the most in my entire life, as sad as that is to say. I could beat Superman in like a minute. It was amazing, but... Uh, I'm not going to pick it. I'm going to pick the reason, the game that's the reason that I bought an Xbox, which is Halo. Oh, that was on my list. I love the Halo. Uh, I like the setting. I like the, uh, it was the first uh, shooter that I had played that had the uh, fun vehicle interaction. There was an unfortunate trend after that where like every other (laughs) FPS 
had to have vehicles grafted onto it in horrible ways. Even third-person games like Mass Effect. It, yeah, Half-Life uh, Half Life 2 has a horrible section where you have to drive a dune buggy around. Right. It's clearly... Which, I love the dune buggy in no, Half-Life 2. What buggy, are you talking about? You're mistaken. Love it. The dune buggy is awful. It is clearly there because <laughs> somebody saw, like, oh, man, you get to drive a warthog around in Halo. Get get on a dune buggy or something because we need, we, need we need one hour required of, car, you know, driving vehicle thing or kids won't buy this. Um, it's totally grafted on, doesn't fit. So I I, uh, I love the vehicles, and I love that they're the ground-based vehicles and the air vehicles. And uh, in in multiplayer, I mean, it just changes. It's like you're playing. It adds that other dimension in the multiplayer where you've got the ability to um, the the amount of multiplayer time I spent with Halo too. You know, you're in the air or you're on the ground uh, on a ground vehicle, or you are moving around by foot. And the fact that those have all all different advantages and disadvantages, a lot of fun. And even in the single player campaign, um, having those moments where you get into it, it was just for for me, it was it was it was a revelation. It's like, oh you, wait, you mean I can drive the car now or i can get in the back and just kind of fire with the turret while someone else is driving just added a whole other layer to uh to first person shooters and i liked i like the sci-fi um storyline too of course the ring world that they're on and and uh and the the killer aliens that you're fighting and and as somebody who is a marathon fan from way back and i played all of marathon and marathon 2 and marathon infinity um i like that too that it was uh, you know it was familiar in that way too, and since the bunch of guys were were only going to be, they got bought by Microsoft. They're only going to be Xbox. I bought an Xbox so I could play it, and uh, it, it's a it's a fun game. And I had I had Halo One on the Mac too, and then obviously after that it was all all Xbox. And you know, for when I bought my Xbox 360, the first thing I bought was a the latest Halo, Halo game. So um, you know. I love it, but the vehicles thing is the thing that really put it over the top for me. That that was really cool, and yeah, it's kind of been done now. But at the time, that was uh, that was a really awesome addition. So yeah, I really like the fact that you could either drive or you could take the turret. Yeah, yeah, yeah that was a nice one. And I also like when you're driving um, the uh, the enemy vehicles, and they have the the little uh, like one person sort of skimmer like land speeder kind of thing that you're driving around. That was a, that was a kind of a fun vehicle too. And then when you're when you're flying, that was also a lot. Of- a lot of fun to fly around. And bomb I remember people. that as being one of the first games that I was like waiting for that there was actually like video of the gameplay that you would see on the internet as opposed to like before that you would be like reading like PC Gamer and it would be like there's screenshots of games and you'd have to kind of pretend what it would be like to play them. But unfortunately, I remember the video like even from one of the Steve Jobs keynotes where he was talking about how awesome Halo would be. And then, you know, yeah, that's why that's why I Xbox. waited to play it on the Mac. Yeah, oh, you're a purist. No, not a purist because the Mac port was terrible. But I, it really was. So I was so angry that they took that away. Microsoft took that away from us. Yep. It was like there. It was like the final act of an evil giant. This is why we can't have nice. <laughs> it's things. true. It's true. I'm looking forward to Destiny now that now that the, those guys yeah. have bought their freedom from Microsoft and Destiny is going to be released on P- PlayStation and Xbox. So, did you play uh, Halo Four? I have played some of it. I have. I, I I have it on my 360. Yeah. I I played it all the way. It's a little. I feel like. Is it like a Metroid Prime Four? I don't know. <laughs> I, don't know I, I don't know, but it's it's kind of there's not a lot. It's more of the same, point, but I never played it's a lot more. I think I never played ODST Halo. Yeah, I never played that ODST. I have played all of them, and yeah, I mean they're they're enjoyable, but they're 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 recycling a lot now. The the amount of new stuff for the amount that you're just experiencing it over is it's a uh, diminishing returns as they go deeper in the pile, I guess. Well, seriously, who, who plays first person games on a console? Anyway? I seriously. jumped, I jumped from halo two to halo four. And so for me, it was yeah. like, I had a lot of catching up to do. Yeah. So destiny looks exciting. I'm hoping they do yeah, me some, too. some cool stuff. And I guess, and me to too. be fair, uh, halo four is not actually, was, was that Bungie or was that, that was no, actually, no, that's, that's, that's their uh, own. Yeah. Three, four, three. Yeah. Studio. Yeah. 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 So. yeah. Yeah. That was the deal. That's how they bought their freedom is that, the intellectual property for X for, for Halo stays with Microsoft, but they can run away with Bungie Studios and make their own games. So <laughs> anyway, so that's the uh, that's the end of the draft. Oh, my God. Oh Three my rounds. God. This is a travesty. I've yeah. got at least I've 16 other picks that would. Oh. <laughs> well, let us we should let us at least name our titles. Of all right. Game. All right. We'll do one more round. But first, a word from our returning sponsor. I love it when they come back. It's MailRoute. MailRoute is still out there. It's still filtering my mail and it's filtering out all the spam 
and all the viruses, which I appreciate greatly. MailRoute is the leading hosted service that cleans your email and protects your mail servers. You don't need to install any hardware or software. They do that. They're up in the cloud. They're easy to use, reliable, and they're trusted. Their clients include universities, governments, and corporations, as well as single people like me. And there are no user minimums. So the little guy is fine at MailRoute. MailRoute's whole focus is delivering clean email, the stuff you want to see, and saving you from the stuff you don't. And it's got a super simple interface. They've built the interface and tools with admins in mind. And if you want to do account management in a larger organization, they've even got an API. MailRoute supports LDAP, Active Directory, TLS, mailbagging, outbound relay, everything you'd want from the people who handle your email. And here's the best part for a free trial. One-step sign-up. Go to MailRoute.net slash incomparable. How about that, huh? Mm-hmm. And you'll get 10% off for the lifetime of your account. There's a free trial. You can try out MailRoute, see how it works. You don't have to leave your mail provider at all. It passes the mail through, filters out the junk, so you only see the good stuff. And one of my favorite features is they have the configurable alerts that tell you what they filtered out. And there are little hyperlinks in there. You click on them to deliver the message. If it turns out it wasn't spam and you do want to see it, you can even click and one-click trains mail route to send that message through the next time it gets it. Very cool. It took me one minute to explain that to my mom and she's never asked again. She's using it and works great for her too. And so check out MailRoute at mailroute.net slash incomparable. And thank you so much to MailRoute for once again sponsoring the incomparable. Okay, I'll tell you what. Let's do let's do a fourth round, but you just have to you just you got no 30 commentary. seconds. You just got 30 seconds, yeah. All right, Steve, go ahead. Say it. Say okay. something. My 30 second pick is Silent Hill. There were horror games before Silent Hill, but Silent Hill was the first to really do it right. Uh, you know, the Resident Evil games are more of a visceral dogs jumping through the window sort of horror, and Silent Hill is really more of a psychological horror. It's about an ever-mounting sense of dread that just endlessly ratchets up as the game goes on. Uh, yeah, it's technically clunky, um, but I think it, it actually turns all of its weaknesses into strengths. And, uh, you know, I strongly considered picking Silent Hill 2 because that also was fantastic, but it's never really scary. And this one genuinely is a frightening game. Uh, also have to throw out a, a shout-out to Akira Yamaoka, who's, whose music is the best music I've ever heard in a video game, bar none. Period. All right, Tony? Um, one game for 30 seconds or as many games as I can One game. Okay. Uh, I will go with Choo Choo Rocket for, for the Dreamcast from the, the year 2000. Uh, the Dreamcast would be my favorite console of all time. Um, I remember buying a uh, Dreamcast with my college roommate when the Dreamcast was like being discontinued and it was, you could get it for like incredibly cheap. I think it was like 75 bucks. And we bought pretty much the entire Dreamcast library of games also because there weren't very many. Uh, Choo Choo Rocket is in a kind of bizarre awesome japanese puzzle game um where the single player you kind of place arrows and you have to lead mice into spaceships so that they can go to the moon but you have to keep the cats that are following the mice out of the spaceships because they they eat the mice but then it has this incredibly frenetic multiplayer mode with uh you know you play with up to four players and four spaceships and you're placing arrows to try and bring mice to your um spaceship and bring cats to your other people and this game turns people into animals in ways that i have never seen i have never heard as violent and foul mouth swearing as i've heard from people playing choo choo rocket even people who should know better uh so choo choo rocket is a great game um and the dreamcast was a great system and that's what i'm going with all right track of time moises what's your uh, quick pick teenage mutant ninja turtles to the arcade game for the nes because it was a weird attempt to crunch the ninja turtles arcade game into an nes sized package and it still actually worked pretty well. I own that game, and when when you combine the price of that cartridge with the amount of quarters I spent in the arcade, the small fortune that that game separated me from is uh, incalculable. Greg, what do you have? I am going to choose a game that is also a console in itself, Atari Super Pong, which ah. was the home version of the arcade Pong. I found one in a Goodwill for 5 bucks <laughs> about 15 years ago when I bought it. And the D batteries to make it run cost more than the console itself. <laughs> but I set it up at a party that night. And of the four different Pong variations, we played it for hours. Great fun from a simpler time. Nice. John, what about you? Uh, my last pick is predictably Eco. Uh, 
and we already mentioned Shadow of the Colossus was from the same makers. This is, uh, aside from maybe Another World, also known as Out of This World, I think, in the U.S., this was the first arty game that I played, and it grabbed me in ways that games with much fancier pedigree didn't from, like, well-known makers. Uh, I wrote an article about it, Ars Technica, a couple of years ago as part of their Masterpiece video series, so if you want to hear me talk about this more, you can read that. Maybe Jason will put it in the show notes. Uh, I think it stands out because the developers had such different priorities than their peers did. They focused all of their energy on one or two things, uh, animation, lighting, atmosphere, uh, and all that they did extremely well. Uh, and, and in particular, the sort of consistent non-cheat-based level design. It was an actual castle instead of a bunch of world-boxed pens connected by magic portals. Uh, and it, it really stands out as a place that I can remember being, uh, despite just having seen it on a TV screen. Uh, Jason still hasn't finished this game, although he has it, so I don't want to ruin the ending. But suffice it to say that Ego was my journey before a journey existed. All right. I like that you mentioned Out of This World. That is one of my favorite PC games. And since I already mentioned Superman, I'm not going to pick it. Instead, I'm going to pick uh, the 20, Atari 2600 game I played the most, which is the Atari 2600 port of Space Invaders. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many... Oh, God. I mean, you talk about wasting your life as a child. <laughs> Space Invaders. Space Invaders. I would call that the first port that was actually better than the arcade game. Yeah, I mean, I, I had the Pac-Man cartridge... And that was so much worse, although, except for one thing, which was that once you had it, you didn't need to pay more quarters. That's not grading enough. It was really more yeah. like a... <laughs> but uh, Space Invaders was was a great Atari 2600 game. It wasn't just a popular arcade game. As an, a 2600 game, it was great, and I played it forever, just endlessly played that game. And... Uh, you know, and damn, damn if the pace of the dun 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 dun, dun, dun as the it sped up and the space invaders came lower and did you ever do the double shot hack? No. Yeah, if you hold a couple of the difficulty buttons down on the twenty six hundred and turn the power on, you could fire two bullets at the same time. Sweet. Uh, maybe I did do that. Actually, that does sound familiar. That's based on the strength of the Space Invaders. Um, Asteroids was my favorite arcade game at the time, and so I actually bought a black market VCS twenty six hundred Asteroids before it came out. It, it was the Sears edition, and the serial number had been scratched off. <laughs> and I paid like seventy five bucks, which was like all I had from my newspaper um, route, and I was so bitterly, bitterly disappointed. <laughs> Not, not not the first time and not the last. Old video games. Old video games. I should say, so Dan Morin... Old video games. Dan Morin couldn't be here. And so let's let's walk through what he would have selected. Oh, we're done with the abuse elders and on to the abuse Dan yes. portion but of the we shouldn't, shouldn't we get to say our remaining yeah, yeah. just titles only first? Yeah, let me... Oh, well, no, I'm going to talk about Dan and then and then, and then then you guys can throw your, uh, your leftovers. And then Dan's picks are off the table. Out there. So, so Mario Kart 64 was his first pick. N64 version of Mario Kart, which would have driven me to not pick Mario Kart Wii. He then cho- would have chosen Re- uh, Red Dead Redemption on the Xbox 360. That's kind of a PC game. Yeah, then he would have been really angry that Tony picked Goldeneye, because he would have picked Goldeneye. So he would have gone to his next selection, but sadly, Tony already picked Super Mario wow. Brothers 3. So he would wow. have had to move on to Bushido Blade for the oh, PS1. That's a classic fighter game. Uh, very different. It, you could hit people with one hit if you did it right. It's this kind of uh, stylized samurai fighting game. It was That was a classic. And his 32nd pick would have been Baseball Stars on the NES. Oh, boy. On the NES, not the Neo Geo? Well, was there a Baseball Stars for the NES? What Dan says in his email. I guess Baseball Stars 2 was on the Neo Geo. Because he's, you know, at Disneyland. Okay, uh, who has... Uh, let's, let's do the clear out whatever else was on your list. Uh, Steve, do you have anything else that you didn't mention that you want to just mention now in passing? I had a crap load of stuff. I will just speed through it. First, Super Mario Brothers, uh, Grand Theft Auto 3, uh, Ghouls and Ghosts, um, blah, 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 Contra, River Raid, Mega Mania, Pitfall, Raiders, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and uh, finally, Animal Crossing City Folk. Oh. <laughs> Kids love it. Aww. And Morrowind. Oh my God, Morrowind. And Psychonauts. And NHL. Oh, never mind. He thought we this was going to be a three-parter. Tony, what's your what's your leftovers? All right. Uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic for the Xbox. Uh, Pikmin for GameCube. Uh, Jet Set Radio, also known as Jet Grind Radio for the Dreamcast. 
Final Fantasy VII for the PlayStation, GTA III for PlayStation 2, which Steve mentioned, Gears of War, uh, Resident Evil 4 for the GameCube, Metal Gear Solid for the PlayStation, Castlevania Symphony of the Night for the PlayStation, Mega Man 2 for the NES, Psychonauts for the Xbox, I think Steve mentioned that, and then Orange Box slash Portal for the Xbox 360, which uh, probably would have been my next pick, but I wasn't sure how that fit, as it's like multiple oh, games yeah, in one. PC games. That's both yeah, PC that's games. that's in the PC land. I, I mean, it was available for Xbox at the same time. It was, well, it know, was, but there's certain know. games that are really PC games, and Half-Life is one of those. Yeah. Yeah, but Portal was, you know, was yeah. available for also that. Also a PC game. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I mean, you guys picked things that were also available as arcade cabinets. That's true. So, <laughs> Moises, any uh, leftovers? I had two backup lists. One of them was Adjective Location, uh, Air Fortress, <laughs> developed by HAL Labs for the NES, Star Tropics. Uh, I think, I'm not sure if it was also done by HAL, but it, w- it was also a Nintendo-owned property. Uh, do they? Do you have to spend space drawlers in the in the Star Tropics? No, Star Tropics is an over the top <laughs> Legend of Zelda type adventure game, which is right. really super awesome. And then Star Tropics Two: Zoda's Revenge, uh, and then my other one was uh, was my uh, Final Fantasy fanboy list of Final Fantasy One, Two, and Three U.S. numbering. Greg, anything? I've got I've got Donkey Kong on the ColecoVision just because it was the first home game that could rival the arcade game that I had played. Uh, it was incredibly faithful, even if it didn't do all the levels. And uh, Pitfall for the 2600. Pitfall, that's a good one. That's a great one. Pretty much anything Activision did. In the beginning. Freeway, Mega Mania, River Raid. Kaboom! We, you know, you get to 10,000 points on Kaboom, his expression changes. <laughs> that's but just... I. Yep. It's what I did instead of having a childhood. You're not wrong. Uh, John? Uh, I didn't have uh, many more picks, uh, just more Nintendo good stuff. I've got The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess, which is, uh, as I've said in past shows, rising in my esteem as time passes. Metroid Prime, which is one of the rare first-person shooter-style games that I think uh, fits in well on a console. Resident Evil, but the GameCube remake, not the original PlayStation one. It's uh, Fantastic also, game. Uh, also a strange case where like the remake is actually better than the original because it's it is totally the original but just nicer uh, kind of like shadow of the Colossus on the ps3 uh and uh rounding it out legend of zelda the wind waker uh hd remake or the regular either one works they're both great right and and my two leftovers were atari superman uh he's like superman except he has the symbol of atari on his shirt no the 2600 version of superman which i have the cartridge now thanks greg he blinks when he's in the room with two bad guys. Yeah. And uh, the other one I had down is, since I had that PS1, I spent a lot of time playing Crash Bandicoot, which was a very nice 3D platformer. Why has that not time. been remastered? Why? Like, those three games are so good. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed, the, yeah, a little sci-fi, mad scientist kind of thing happening. And it's a very... It's a naughty dog, too, isn't it? Very, yeah, yeah, very You'd nice. you think they'd get around to redoing that Nicely one. rendered 3D um Problem is that PlayStation platformer. 1 games are so low poly and so yeah, yeah. Uh, low res texture that, I mean, I'd love to see Silent Hill right. 1 remastered but properly. But just keep in well, mind but... that I was coming from the 2600, so it was very impressive. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. PlayStation One games were very impressive yeah. back in the day. It's yeah. just that that uh, to to remaster them now would be a non-trivial. You'd have to just remake effort. Them. Yeah, and that pretty much closes the book on this draft. I think. Oh, yeah, I know. That was a draft, man. Somebody close the door because I. Phew. Feel a draft. <laughs> Let a match. Yeah. <laughs> um. So this was great. Uh, lots of games. And if you have an old, are in possession of old consoles, you can play these games or emulators. Um, but this was a lot of fun. Little little walk down memory lane for some people. Lots of lots of games of uh, more recent vintage, and then for people like me and Greg, lots of things from the old times. Old time when life was good. Yeah, back in the day. Disappointed. There's never been a prospector based game to speak of. Oh, I'm sure there has. Be lucky. Come on, dig dug. Uh, that's a good point. <laughs> Minor 2049er. Just, yeah, straight up minor, too. The, yeah, minor. The cursor to Load Runner. Yep. Uh, Anywho. Let's not talk about Load Runner that until we get to the uh, computer game draft. Sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah. All right, I'd like to thank my guests for picking many video games. This was a lot of fun. Uh, Steve Lutz, as always, thank you so much for coming. And boy, you play a lot of video games. Damn, a lot of old video games. My pleasure, sir. And yes, I have wasted my life. 
<laughs> all right. As long as you can consider that. Little, all those video games will flash for before your eyes as you're on your deathbed, and you'll say, somebody hand me a joystick. I would play a few more games. I actually think it's a positive. Yeah. I think it's good. I would, it kept me off the streets. Yep. That's right. Oh, man. Imagine the life of crime. You would have had. He would be the victim, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Greg Noss, thank you for, for uh, being here Speaking and picking victims and, and making my picks seem contemporary. <laughs> thank you. I, I just want them to stop making video games so hard and complicated. Yeah, I agree with you. I'm with you. Uh, Tony Sindelar, as always, thank you for being here. And uh, and you also play a lot of video games, I, I'm discovering. Possibly too many. <laughs> Never. Never. Not true. There is no such quantity. Mm. Uh, Moises Chuyan, thanks for dropping in. It was great. I, you you were like, hey, video game episode, what's that all about? And you came with some uh, some crazy picks. I'd never heard about Battletoads. So thank you for enlightening me and changing my life. Finally, my my time working customer service at Funko Land uh, had, had a purpose. <laughs> and John Syracuse, as always, thank you for... Uh, I, I'm, I'm glad nobody sniped your... Snipe journey because that really would have been ugly. I was prepared for it. It could have happened. In fact, I'm kind of disappointed that you guys all picked terrible Atari 2600 games <laughs> instead of that. But you know, we're, whatever. We're old. Back in my day, we bought our video games at Fedco. Your games don't exist without our games. I felt compelled to pick older games to make people not feel bad. It's like I better not pick anything that has. <laughs> Thanks, a, Tony. You know, the, the the year starts with a two. That would be scary, right? You guys like ones. This right? should be classics. Yeah, classics. I did not. Right. I didn't pick anything from vintage games. The last five years, because yeah. I felt like you know. It's like the Hall of Fame. Until you've got nostalgia coloring these things, it's really you know it's it's hard to it's hard to know. In my day, we picked up our video game consoles at Sears, along with some tools. Yep. <laughs> some tough skins. I look forward to forcing Jason to buy a PlayStation 4 to play Last Guardian 2016. Yeah. So get ready, Jason. All right. In, 20, in 2016, I'll be ready. 2016's a little hopeful, I'm being optimistic. It? Yeah. <laughs> Any day now. <laughs> I'll, just, I'll just borrow someone's console for that. Yeah, pretty much. No, I was happy to let, let uh, Journey stay out there for you. Although, honestly, I might have picked it in the second round, so it's good that you got it when you did. But I, I, I thought that was only right. All right, well, that uh, that wraps it up. We've picked many video games, and I'd like to thank everybody out there for listening. Once again, I've been your host, Jason Snell. Thanks for listening to The Incomparable. We will see you next time.